What's up, guys? Welcome to the Social Media Entrepreneurs Podcast. Today, I am joined by Michael K., Director of Brand Marketing and Communications over at OKCupid. Uh, he reached out to me on email or someone from his team, and I get a lot of requests every week of people asking to come on the podcast, most of them which I do deny, but I haven't had someone that runs an app uh, as their main business model come on the show. So we wanted to talk about app marketing today. Um, and then also the dating market uh, is is obviously interesting to everyone. So we will get into uh, some interesting questions today and hear about all of their uh, greatest marketing and what is to come from OkCupid. So uh, Michael, thank you so much for coming on the show. How's it going? Good. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here. Yeah. Uh, so before we get started, um, you're you're in New York right now. We were just talking about that. Uh, give me just a little insight into your life outside of OKCupid and who you are. Yeah. So I am a true New Yorker, born and raised. My parents are from Brooklyn. I even went to college here. I've been working in the communications industry since I had graduated. So about eight years at this point. And a lot of my experiences on the agency side, working on some of the biggest brands in the country and world, including Duncan, Excedrin, Barbie, Hot Wheels, Subway restaurants, you name it. I probably touched the brand you love or one of their major competitors. Um, but I've been at OKCupid for a little over or about four years at this point. Um, and outside the office, I'm also a teacher. So I teach um, introductory public relations at NYU here in New York City. I've been teaching for about four or five years at this point, And I'm also on the board of the Human Rights Campaign. So wow. I like to stay busy. Yeah, definitely sound like a busy guy. Uh, so you've been in branding for quite a while how do you get your uh, start in branding? Is it a specific degree that you need? And then was it once you finally got your foot in the door, was it a lot easier to get these other branding gigs? Yeah. So actually, I I majored in communication and sociology when I was an undergraduate at the university at Albany. And after working a couple of years, I wound up pursuing a master's degree in strategic communication from American University. I did that program while working full-time um, and then wound up pursuing a certificate program in corporate communications. And I'm actually about to start another certificate program in social media marketing. But it really wasn't until joining OkCupid that my career started to take a little bit of a different turn. So for the first five or so years of you know my career, I was really focused on communications or in media, public relations, really storytelling through press. Um, at OkCupid, I've sort of expanded my role, um, but the common thread is still storytelling. So here at OkCupid, I focus on communications, influencer marketing, social media, and I find it really easy to continue to grow and learn in an environment like OkCupid because we are very entrepreneurial. This might shock people, but we've been around for almost two decades, although our marketing team is only five years old. There's only a couple of us who are running or working on the marketing team for this global brand. I mean, we have daters in over 100 countries around the world, and there's less than five people on my team. And I, I've always been attracted to companies 
that are a little bit smaller or mid-sized because I do think there's a lot more opportunities to expand your skill set. How many of the jobs done by OKCupid are done in-house? Like, Do you have the Instagram content creators and people posting on TikTok? Are you guys sourcing any of this out to agencies or is everything in-house? It depends on the marketing vertical. So for the past about four years, I've been handling all communications and PR solo. So there's no one above or below me, and I don't have any agencies for support. I have worked with agencies on other marketing verticals like social media content creation. So I'll lead the strategy and have a team that is actually creating the content for me. Um, and then we also work with influential on all our influencer marketing for OKCupid. So they've been a really incredible partner to us for the past year. And then for bigger moments like brand campaigns, we will bring in a creative agency and we've worked with both Mechanism and Mischief. Is the goal to get everything in-house eventually? Uh, or do you find that a lot of these agencies, like once you find the one that actually works for you, that you just want to keep going back to them rather than trying to replicate their models uh, with your own staff? Yeah, I mean, I, I see benefits to both strategies. I think for us, we're always going to outsource some of the work that we're doing because it's just not feasible to handle that all in-house. You know, we're we're a, a smaller team. There's about 80 to 85 employees at OKCupid. So for us, I, I don't see us moving much in-house completely besides communication, public relation, because again, I've been in this industry for four years, this industry being dating apps. Um, so I feel like I have a really strong connection to reporters who are covering our beat. So that's something that's um, easily handled in-house or, or more easily. But when it comes to those bigger, bigger projects like tapping influencers, working on those contracts, it is so much easier to have a partner like Influential handling a lot of that nitty gritty vetting influencers, um, whereas where I come in is really reviewing the briefs and the content. And I like having that partnership. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, so what's the main goal for OKCupid? What are your major KPIs? Is it all about trying to get people on pro memberships? Or like, what's the the final metric that you guys are really basing your success around? Yeah, so we're a very data-driven company. So whenever we're doing anything, whether it's a big press story or an influencer campaign or a brand campaign or a social media activation, we're looking at a, a few main KPIs. First is downloads. How many people are interacting with this content or seeing this content somewhere in the real world and downloading our app? Then how many people are actually registering? So downloading is great, but unless they actually make an account on OkCupid, it's not really an impact to us either way. So we really pay attention to those registrations. From there, we're really focused on retention. So how long are people staying on the app after they download it and create an account on OkCupid? Um, and then, you know, we're completely free. We do have two subscription models that are paid, um, but it's a completely free experience. So from the marketing perspective, our main goal is to bring people into the app for free. Then we look at our product teams and their role is to create 
such an incredible experience and introduce really innovative features. And their goal is to get those people who are coming into the app through marketing to pay and upgrade their accounts to our different subscription models. Um, so that's sort of how, how we look at it. And then, of course, with any any brand campaign, there's going to be a, a different KPI tied to it. So I mentioned that we've been around for almost 20 years, but our marketing team is only five years old. Our first brand campaign was in 2018. And that campaign was called DTF. And it was the main KPI for that campaign was just about telling people we are here. And we did that by introducing us, an OG dating app, to a younger audience by redefining a really popular term, which was down to have fun. I'm not going to say it on this podcast. And we came up with different slogans that uh, use DTF. So DT down to fight the patriarchy um, and, and different sayings that really resonated with that millennial audience. Then our next campaign was um, ask yourself. And we launched that at the beginning of 2020 and that was also really driven by out of home and was encouraging people to sort of define what matters to them when it comes to relationships. Um, and then we had our VILF campaign uh, later that year, and that was encouraging people to vote with a really provocative saying, which was another sort of DTF moment. It, you know, we all know the term DILF or MILF, but this was voter I'd like to have fun with. And it was all about making voting sexy again. And that I consider a strong social first campaign. So we leaned more onto Instagram to, to launch that one. And then our, our last one was our every single person campaign. And that sort of blended all these different strategies. We had out of home, we had social takeovers. Um, I believe we brought in some influencer partners to not necessarily talk about the campaign specifically, but talk about the messaging behind the campaign. So their content resonated with what we were portraying in that campaign. So the KPIs, you know, really vary by by moment. That makes sense. Uh, so do you have any marketing campaigns or even just like Facebook or Instagram ads that are ongoing, just any kind of evergreen marketing campaigns going, or is it really all just, you know, next major campaign at a time is more your focus? Well, you know, we're, we're always advertising on, on different platforms. So you might see ads for OkCupid on different social channels. Um, you might hear ads for, for OkCupid on some of your, some of your favorite podcasts. Um, so there's always something that's happening throughout the entire year. They're not all necessarily tied to a brand campaign or a, you know, huge product feature. Um, so, so yeah, we, we do take an always on approach to a lot that we're doing within advertising and marketing for sure. The ideas for the campaigns, like the DTF campaign, it, it, are those always coming from in-house Hey, you. Yeah, you listening. Do you like personal finance or real estate? Are you itching to build wealth and create a better life for yourself or your family? Then you need to come check out the Life, Money, and More podcast with real estate agent, YouTuber, and actor Sage Weiss. 
This isn't your average finance show. We dive deep and do not sugarcoat topics around money and life. The Life, Money, and More podcast releases two episodes a week just for you because we're all about helping you win in this crazy world we live in. Come join the thousands of listeners on the Life, Money, and More podcast. No. So a lot of those campaigns came from agency partners. Mm. Um, Some of them are a little bit more collaborative. So I mentioned that we're a data-driven company. For anyone who's unfamiliar with OKCupid, our core product differentiator is that we have in-app matching questions. This is what powers our algorithm. So the more questions you answer, the more compatible the matches you see are with you. Um, I mean, these questions have been answered over 100 million times in 2023 alone and almost 10 billion times since we launched. So some of our campaigns, I believe it was the Ask Yourself campaign, it tied back to the data that we were seeing from our users. So what was top of mind for them? So that tended to be a little bit more collaborative. But um, one of my favorite campaigns, our VILF campaign, which was uh, launched around the presidential election here in the United States, that came to us from a new agency partner, Mischief. And it was just such a brilliant idea that I I remember we were presented it on a, a Thursday afternoon. And within 24 hours, we approved the concept, um, approved moving forward with the campaign and over the next 72 hours we were already creating merchandise related to the campaign so it was such a fast turnaround um and the campaign launched within a week or so um so that's one thing that i really love about working at a company of our size we're really scrappy but we can work really quickly and we look for partners who operate in a very similar fashion mischief for anyone who's unfamiliar is an agency that was born during the pandemic what would you say has been the most successful of these campaigns? Um, great question. It depends on the KPI. One, I would say, is um, a lot of our LGBTQ-focused campaigns perform really well for us. And, and when I say perform really well, I mean we see an uptick in new queer users coming to the app. We we pay attention to everything. So we don't just look at if there's a bump in new users, but we look at the demographics that are coming in. Um, and for a lot of our pride moments, um, which either relate to social content or product features in partnership with the human rights campaign, which we've done before, um, we've seen upticks in new gay users coming to the app, new bisexual users coming to the app, non-binary, transgender. That's a really huge win for us because we like to say that we are exclusively inclusive, meaning that we're one of the only dating apps that really want to make sure that no matter how you identify, no matter what type of relationship you're looking for, when you come to OkCupid, you feel safe and welcomed on our platform. And that's sort of been true to who we are as a brand since we launched. So we have questions that are specifically created for the LGBTQ plus community. And even within that uh, category of questions, there are some questions that only gay users will see or only bisexual users will see. And the first queer specific matching question was added in 2004, the year we launched. So we were the first major major dating app to expand gender and orientation options, the first to introduce a pronouns feature, the only to have LGBTQ specific matching questions. Um, so I would say a, a lot of the work that we do in that space is always tends to be really successful because it is authentic. I would think that uh, really 
finding your niche in the dating app market would be necessary with how many dating apps there are out there. And you guys are very inclusive with the amount of types of people that you have in is what is really the major uh, niche that OkCupid goes for? Yeah, um, for us, it's less about the type of data or the type of the re of relationship that they're looking for. I would say where we perform really well is for the intent that someone has when coming to to our platform. So to your point, it's a very crowded market. I saw a report a couple of weeks ago that said there's about 1500 dating apps out there right now. So a lot of competition, a lot of noise, a lot of opportunity for people to get on a dating app. And um, for us, we tend to bring in a higher intent dater, someone who's looking for something that is more meaningful, more serious, more committed, more long-term um, than some of our competitors, and that's by product design. So there are other apps where you can download the app, upload one photo, add a name, call it a day. For us, we make it kind of difficult to create a profile on OKQ, but it takes a lot of time. It's, it's not super easy. It's not something you're going to do in 30 seconds. Um, you have to add multiple photos. You have to fill in multiple profile prompts. You need to answer at least 15 of our matching questions. Although most people go on to answer dozens and dozens more, you have to fill in many different preferences. Um, and for us, of course, that alienates some people, but the positive is that the people who are on our app tend to take dating a little bit more seriously. So that's sort of what has worked for us for the past 18 years. Okay. Um, yeah, I like that answer a lot. This is all really interesting stuff. Um, what I wanted to ask next is with all these uh, ideas for these campaigns, you said some of them come from agencies, some of them come from you guys. And that with that last campaign that you talked about, uh, you were all so excited, got it approved within 24 hours, loved the idea of it. Um, but it still is always such a guess when you're coming up with these really unique uh, and original marketing campaigns. So do you have any ways to really gauge how the performance of how it's going to do when you're coming up with these, like the DTF campaign or the Ask Yourself campaign? And is, you don't really know exactly how it's going to go. Um, you just feel like it's you've got a, a great hunch. But like, what is that based on? Yeah, absolutely. Again, it's going to go back to the data. So for us, this goes beyond campaigns. Um, this goes to, you know, this covers campaign, product features, partnerships. We're always looking at the data. So what I mean by that is um, if we have a idea for a new product feature, we look to see if this relates to an issue that's really top of mind for our Gen Z and millennial daters. And because of our robust questions, there's thousands of them in our app. We can tell if this is an issue or topic or conversation that is going to be really interesting to our daters. So we, we kind of gut check that way first by looking at the data, um, but then we also bring in other voices. So we'll obviously vet it amongst our marketing team. We talk to agency partners, and then we have a lot of partnerships um, with different nonprofit organizations. We have um, friends who are experts in different spaces. So, you know, we have a lot of conversations before we move forward with something. But it always begins with looking at our data to see if um, 
if something will perform well. A great example of this is actually something that's happening right now at OKCupid, and it's more of a social play versus a brand campaign or, or a huge PR moment. But <clears throat> for anyone who loves reality television, I'm sure you can't ignore some of the uh, press coverage you've seen around the scandal from the Vanderpump Rules cast. So this is a Bravo show, a cheating scandal came out, and it became trending global news for week after week after week. Um, and even the New York Times broke down the timeline of this scandal. Like it was a huge moment. And I really wanted to jump on this um, from a brand perspective and just decided to look at our data at our data to see if there's something that our you know users would care about if we did a social play around this and i found that daters on okcupid who love reality television get 141% more uh, likes and 134% more matches they also have 178% more conversations than those who don't and you know they're watching it a lot so almost 9 and 10 of two and a half million people on OkCupid say they enjoy a day of binge watching TV. So all specifically reality TV. Yeah. So okay. all of this tells us that, you know, if if we want to jump on this moment that relates to a pop culture moment involving reality TV, it's probably going to work really well for us. Um, and, you know, and it definitely has. So we basically did a little stunt where we um, upgraded every Ariana on OkCupid to premium for one year because Ariana was the person who got cheated on in this scandal. And it performed really well for us on social. We saw a big increase in activity engagement. Our followers went up, our impressions went up, our profile visits went up, um, and it performed so well that we're now expanding this into an upcoming April Fool's moment as well, which will also be another social play. But that's just like a quick example of um, how data really drives all our decision making here. Okay, that makes sense. So you're using wherever the attention currently is, that also resonates with your market where you know their attention is going to be, and then trying to fit your way in there. Would you say that these campaign success uh, ultimately comes down to how much of a topic of conversation you give people to have about this? Because now even I can tell my friends that aren't named Ariana something interesting, like, okay, Cupid did this campaign when Ariana got cheated on. I don't, I don't even watch the show, but like, it still is, I can talk about this, right? I can tell them because it's just interesting. Uh, do you think that has, like, is that really where the ripple effect comes from? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, word of marketing, word of mouth marketing is so important. I mean, a lot of people get recommendations on what dating apps to go on from their friends, from their family. So if people are talking about OkCupid and there are single people part of this conversation, that's a huge win for us. Um, so with everything we're doing where, you know, there there's probably a social media component to it, a PR moment uh, component to it, an influencer component to it, but it's all to drive that word of mouth. It's to get people to be talking about OkCupid in their more intimate spaces and groups of friends or groups of coworkers. Yeah, if the post is just an influencer putting it on their story, hey guys, just check out OkCupid, then 
that's it. They, they either did it or they didn't, but it doesn't turn into a conversation or an afterthought at all. Absolutely. Everything that we're doing needs to be a conversation starter. Um, and, we, and we even give that tip to our users as well. When we talk about how to create a dating app profile, everything you put on your profile from your photos to the what you're writing in needs to be a conversation starter. And we take the same approach on the marketing team. I was going to say that's not a KPI you could track, but nowadays with the Amazon Echoes, maybe there's going to be a way that you can see how many conversations you were able to start uh, that were tracked. You never know. You never know. We've we've already started using ChatGPT on our app, so you never know what's going to come up. Uh, which ways do you use ChatGPT? So we... Um, when I noticed that ChatGPT had become such a trending conversation on social, I open ChatGPT for the first time and asked it a couple prompts. What would you ask on a dating app? And what would you ask on a date with someone? And we wound up adding ChatGPT generated matching questions to our app and testing to see how well they performed. And in the last two months, our ChatGPT written questions have been answered 600,000 times and counting. So we're, we've actually committed, we've said publicly, we are going to add ChatGPT generated questions every single month for the rest of 2023. And again, that was a fun little experiment for us that was completely free. So if there's any small businesses listening to this podcast or people with really small marketing budgets, free idea. And, um, you know, it was something that performed really well amongst our users and got a lot of press coverage for us. Fast Company, Mashable, Wired, Business Insider, CNET, you name it, started to talk about how we were the first dating app to start using ChatGBT to help match people. So this is not just the questions that uh, help you get to know the person. These are the questions, like, here's what you should say to your new match. You're giving them the chat GPT thing to send to their match. No, these are our matching questions in the app. So these are the questions that you answer as a user. Okay. So the, the question is written by chat GPT and the responses are written by me and other people on the marketing team. So it's kind of like a human and tech collaboration here. That's what I thought. Then I, for a second, I started thinking that you were saying, it, like you could say, give me a witty uh, like conversation starter for this person's profile. And then they could give them lines for the, the chat. The Not yet, because going back to this, like I know I keep saying this over and over, but going back to the data, um, we actually found that daters don't really like that. They, they don't want people using... Um, chat GBT to, or, or any AI tools really to talk to them on yeah. a dating app. Um, in fact, the majority of OkCupid respondents do not think AI is ever going to replace interpersonal human connection. And, and more than seven in 10 of our daters think that using AI to create your profile or message others is considered a violation of trust. So just again, going back to that data piece um, and helping inform our, our decisions. Speaking of interpersonal communication, would you say that, uh, so OkCupid, okay, you get a match, you can message them and then you just let them take it from there, right? There's there's not much influence that you have on how that goes. Um, is there in, anything you guys are thinking of as far as trying to increase the amount of interpersonal communication that happens? Yeah, I mean, we are, 
the way we interact most with our daters, um, or maybe not interact is, is not the best word, but the way we really influence the um, behaviors that happen on our app are all through our questions. So we really use that as a tool to drive conversations with between people and make sure that they're talking about what's really important. So we obviously have questions related to dating relationships and sex, where to go on a date, where to go on a first date, um, what the best date idea is, really those like fluffy questions. But we also use our questions to spark meaningful conversations around Black Lives Matter, climate change, reproductive health care, marriage equality, and other LGBTQ plus rights, gun control. Um, and, and that's really where we're influencing um, and behavior and, and not influencing people to have a certain opinion, but just to get to the core of what someone stands for, what their beliefs are, what their values are, and making it easier for you to find people that you're compatible with um, and have alignment with. Okay, cool. And I guess uh, slightly off topic to marketing, but still on topic because it's analyzing human psychology. What are the most successful types of uh, profile pictures you see people have and then also their bios? You love listening to podcasts, but have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Maybe you want to build a brand, grow your business or are looking for an excuse to talk about your favorite hobby. Whatever your reason for making a podcast, Buzzsprout is the place to start. Since 2009, Buzzsprout has helped over 300,000 people launch their own podcasts. Buzzsprout walks you step-by-step through the whole process and will give you powerful tools to start, grow, and monetize your podcast. Ready to get started? Click the link in the show notes to get our free step-by-step guide to starting your podcast today. Very interesting question. Um, so the most successful photos are our conversation starters. So we see that like when people have a lot of the same type of selfies, it doesn't do really well, or group photos tend to annoy people because they can't figure out who they're matching with. Um, but I always recommend that with any photo you upload, you make sure that it's, it's a conversation starter. What I mean by that is, if I were to create a profile on OkCupid now, I'm in a relationship with someone I met online. But if I were to create a dating app profile today, my photos would be me at a Taylor Swift concert, me on vacation, me finishing my half marathon, me outside Soul Cycle, because those are all moments that show people what I'm interested in, but also give them something to open up with. Because hey, hi, and hello have the highest rate of being ignored on a dating app. So you wanna open up with a question that tends to perform really well. Um, And the easiest way to do that is by responding to something you're seeing on their profile, whether via a prompt or a photo, someone would be able to come and ask me, what's your favorite T-Swift album or where are you going on vacation next or who's your favorite instructor? So you wanna give something, you wanna help another user spark conversation with you and the same goes for your bio um i I would say like one tip is to make sure that with anything that you're putting into your bio that you're keeping it pretty positive and and upbeat um so you don't want to be saying things like swipe left if um or anything like that because that's sort of a turnoff for for daters um 
and um, avoiding avoiding spelling errors too. That's actually a, a big no-no. People say they're 75% less likely to respond to someone who has a lot of spelling errors on their profile. So be careful with what mm. you're writing. Okay, interesting. Uh, so what's just something funny that you've seen change over the years with dating apps and just the and the whole culture and community around it? I think that there's a lot of things that... Uh, it, like if you would go on dating apps like five years ago versus now, you'd you just see a lot of things different, not just the app functionality, but just how people interact. What would you say is just um, something funny or uh, just something that is worthy of noting? Yeah, so I, I joined Cupid in 2019. And one of the first things I, I did in this role is become really familiar with our matching questions. And I looked at the most important or the most answered questions on our app and they were all around coffee dates and um fitness or really high level um high level topics nothing really of substance to be quite honest and then 2020 happened and the pandemic happened and if you're living in the united states we also dealt with black lives matter stop asian hate a really contentious presidential election and i think over the past few years Everyone took a moment to step back and say, I need to figure out what's important to me, what's important in a relationship, and what people have prioritized over the last couple of years has really changed. Um, in fact, at the beginning of this year, I looked at the questions women were ranking as most important on our app, and they were questions like, should the government defund Planned Parenthood? Are you pro-choice? Is mental health as important as physical health? Um, do you support marriage equality? Do you think safe sex should be taught in the biggest change and the biggest difference? I don't, I don't think it's funny, but I think it is really heartwarming and uplifting. Um, the biggest change to, to dating behaviors over the past few years is that people are looking for compatibility, for deeper connections, and they really want to align on core values. And I mean, that's a win for OkCupid because we've always really been a mission and values-driven dating app. Interesting. Uh, and what about the overall usage of dating apps? So it was 2020, uh, th that was the time that people were on the most, and then has it really uh, maintained um, usage after that? Yeah, so pandemic was an interesting time for us. I think, you know, the first couple of weeks, there was a little panic. We had no idea how this was going to impact dating. Um, but luckily, what we saw was that OkCupid user engagement really increased drastically, especially as shutdowns intensified all around the world. And, you know, really early on in the pandemic, um, all over the world, matches on OkCupid increased 10% and conversations increased over 20%. And for anyone thinking about those numbers, they might sound like low percentages, but you have to keep in mind there are millions and millions of people on OkCupid. So that 10%, that over 20% is really significant. And there's definitely moments of the year that there's an uptick in activity and engagement, but overall, um, it, it's been a really busy time on the app for both OkCupid, but a lot of dating apps out there. And uh, what would you say is the, the future for OkCupid for the next uh, year or two, uh, marketing-wise, branding-wise, just um, 
give us some insight to how you're uh, planning on adjusting to future trends? Yeah, I think from a branding and marketing perspective, um, I'm considering 2023 the year of experimenting and honing our tone of voice. You know, we've, we've been around for quite some time, but I think now is the moment, and it's something I'm starting to do on social a little bit more, um, but really focusing on those core communities of people that we see on OkCupid. There's um, obviously have a ton of users, but there's, uh, I, I really want to lean into those subgroups of people on OkCupid, the people who love gaming and really making sure that our social content speaks to them and the people who are into kink and open relationships and making sure that our content uh, speaks to them as well. So I, I think um, over this next year, it's we're gonna be testing a lot, uh, a lot of different copy, a lot of different creative, especially when it comes to social and figuring out what content's performing you know, better than others and, and really leaning into those communities that, we, that we're seeing on our app. So still kind of in a testing phase, but the goal is to uh, really hone in on what's working best for you in the next year or two. Absolutely. Because I mean, from a product perspective, we always make sure that we're for everyone, that everyone feels welcomed and heard and and safe on our app. But I think now's the time to really identify wh wh who who's on OkCupid. What are those main, main personas um, and, and really speaking directly to them. So I think it's it, it'll be a fun, fun year for us on social. And with all the questions you ask people, you probably get to know them really well. Absolutely, because not only can we see how people are responding to questions, but we can see what questions they're skipping, which tells us those type of questions are not interesting to people in each market. Um, we also, people are able to rank how important a question is to them. So we can see, you know, people are ranking questions about XYZ as really important, and we can lean into that more. So um, there, there is a lot of interesting stuff that we can do with the data that we're, that we're seeing. And just wrapping up here, Michael, how would you say having all of this insight has uh, changed your life? Like whether it be you on dating apps or you just out and about socially, does it, uh, do you feel like you have a really strong sense of picking up on social cues and, um, you know, just who people are really quickly from all of this information you've gotten? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, me personally, I'm, I'm New York born and raised. I went to college here, so I have a very New York mindset, and that could allow you to get trapped in a bubble. But now I have a global role at a brand with users in over a hundred countries all around the world. So it's opened my eyes to what people in different cities are thinking about, what their concerns are, what their interests are, what people in different countries care about. So I've, I've definitely learned more at OkCupid than I ever have in any other experience in my career, academically or professionally. Yeah, I, I bet this is all very interesting stuff. Even just seeing the, the questions people skip, um, this I would think it would be fun to just get lost in the data uh, all day looking at it. Um, but yeah, wrapping up here, anything else that you would uh, like to say? Uh, and then also, where can people find you? Yeah, absolutely. Well, first, thank you again for having me. This is such a fun conversation. Yeah. Um, and I love diving into all the the work we're doing from a comms marketing perspective here at OkCupid. Um, anyone who's interested in, in following what OkCupid's up to, we are at OkCupid on TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, 
And um, for anyone who wants to connect with me, um, I'm at Michael K P R, as in public relations, on Instagram and Twitter. If you have dating questions, if you have marketing questions, if you have product questions, I'm more than happy to answer. So feel free to follow and connect with me there. Awesome. I'll link everything below. Thanks so much for coming on. Thanks so much for having me.